I had the joy of uh, traveling with Tim and Juliet to Israel and uh, studying the Bible geography in Israel. That's a passion of mine. And I just returned with uh, eight uh, gateway pastors from Jordan. I don't know if you know or not, but a lot of the Bible story happened on the east side of the Jordan River in the country of Jordan. And um, one of the aspects that we studied were, was the ancient roots. In the Bible, there was the King's Highway, which was on the eastern side of the Jordan. There is the Way of the Wilderness, which is on the east side of the Jordan. And as you study these ancient roots, you see how critical it was that there be passage for the people, the travelers who were going north and south. Um, it gives Isaiah's prophecies all the more meaning as you study the land. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So here Isaiah says that this highway, which you are to prepare, the, the people of Israel he's speaking to, he says this is a highway for God to come to the people. And if you go on in chapter 62, verse 10, Isaiah says, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, take out the stones. So get this picture. There is a highway for God, and there is a highway for the people, and the purpose is that there would be a smooth path. The taking out of stones, raising up, lowering, but removing the stones so that God has clear access and that people have clear access to God. I believe this obviously is what you're doing here at Embassy City. You are building, you are on the ground floor of building a highway here in Irving for God to come to people and for people to come to God. This is an important highway. Now, I have dedicated my life with my wife, and uh, we've made many mistakes, but we've devoted our life, and we want to uh, de devote the rest of our lives to removing the stones. You know, God is removing, as I have the privilege to travel around the world, God is removing the stones that is hindering world evangelization, that is hindering Jewish acceptance of the Messiah, that's hindering unity in the body of Christ. God is removing the stones so that there is this smooth highway for God and man to meet. Now, I want to speak today on some other stones. These are stones of a personal nature. Stones that affect the highway of our lives. For us to be able to get from one point to another point. For us to have clear access from God and to God. I want to speak today 
on stones of offense. Stones of offense. Because God wants us to see all of these stones removed. He wants us to take out these stones. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 165, the Bible says, how many of you believe the Bible is true? God's word is true. Okay, so let's, with that in mind, great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. King James says, to be offended. Well, what did Jesus say in the New Testament? John 16, 1. He's just got through preparing his disciples. He's about to be crucified. He's saying there's some tough things ahead. But he said, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble or offended in King James. Now, what is this word to stumble in the New Testament? This Greek word, this Greek word is the word skandalizo, which we get our English word, can you guess? Scandal. Satan wants to create a scandal in your life. He wants to place stones along the highway of God, the highway of life, that will trip you up, that will cause you to fall, that will cause you to be offended. This word means to put a stumbling block or a snare in another's way that may cause them to trip and fall Figuratively, it means to be offended. So Satan, his goal is to put stumbling stones on the highway of life to keep you in a constant place of offense. And when we're in a place of offense, we don't receive one another. Now, I know there's a balance to this teaching because Jesus said in Matthew 18, woe to you if you cause one of these little ones to be offended or to stumble using the same word. Paul said in Romans 14, we shouldn't do anything that causes a brother to stumble or offended or is made weak. So on one hand, we have a responsibility in life as we mature, as we grow. God's will is that we don't put stumbling stones we don't offend our brothers and sisters. But on the other hand, as the scripture teaches, God has made a way for us to not stumble, to not be offended. It's the will of God to not be offended. Now, I have observed that offenses result in no unity, no power, no love, and no progress. No unity, no power, no love, and no progress. So the question is, how do we deal with the stones that Satan 
places in our path. So get this picture with me. You're walking along this highway of life. And through whatever circumstance or through whatever a brother or sister or someone else does, a stone is placed in your path. A stone of offense. You have a choice. What are we going to do? Are we going to stop and stare at it? Are we going to uh, just take a little time and sit by the side of the road and meditate on that stone? Or maybe we may want to buy a recliner and kick back and just sit there and look at that stone day after day after day? Or are we going to, this is very simple, if you get this, you've got the whole message. Or you have a choice to step over it and keep on moving. Some people, when one of these stones from Satan, who is a liar and the father of lies, he places a stone in our path. Some people put it on Facebook. (laughs) They... They share it with their friends. They take a picture of this rock. And they put it like on their favorites in Facebook. Or they may even gather others around. Come, come, come. Look at this stone. Now, I'm being in jest because I think we've all done some of this at some point in life. But we may gather other people around and we... Let's even grab hands and pray. We may even create a small group around this stone. I went to a church one time, and sweet people, but I kept hearing through the different people at the microphone this uh, slight tinge of criticism against the church. And it's like they were all offended people who were now going to this church And they were all being critical of all the other churches. It was like the name of the church should have been First Church of the Offense. I mean, they were so, uh, bless their hearts, so around, circling around this rock. And the last I heard, sadly, the church disbanded. I think everybody got offended and went on. But we can make this stone a part of our lives. Or we can, look, you got this again? Step over it and just keep on going. Now, I looked at this word in the New Testament. And, um, uh, well, first of all, I want to turn to Genesis chapter 4. Look back at the, I want to look back at the first offense in the Bible. The first offense in the Bible. Now, Pastor Tim just brought a great message about Abel. We're going to look at his brother, Cain. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, let's look at the nature of an offense. 
by looking at the first offense in the Bible. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, anger in a fallen countenance are early signs of an offense. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you step over it, if you keep moving, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know him. I'm my brother's keeper. Sounds just like someone who's offended. You know, if you are offended with someone else, possibly are you really offended with God? Well, John, the apostle John, meditates on this story, and by the Holy Spirit in 1 John 3 writes, verses 11 and 12, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, and not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. What's John saying? John's saying, don't start murdering people in the congregation, we don't have a general problem with that, praise God. But what he's saying is anger can kill. You know, sometimes somebody offends us and we think that we can punish them by ignoring them or by keeping them at a distance. We think that we are punishing them, but in fact, we're really punishing us. We're hurting us. So... I looked at this word scandalizo in the New Testament, particularly in the life of Jesus. And I saw in the Gospels four instances where this word was used in the context of Jesus' life or in a conversation that Jesus was having four times. And I want to present to you four reasons why we get offended. Four reasons why we get offended. Number one, we don't want to obey. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is, my blood is drink indeed. Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And we've got to be careful how we respond. Now, my sweet daughter, who's a wonderful young lady, but when she was little, it was cute, but uh, we tell her, Julia, you can't do this. Don't do this. this. This is wrong. And she would go ahead and do it. And then I'd explain, okay, did, did I already explain the consequences? Did I tell you this was wrong? And she starts going, uh, I'm confused. I don't understand. I'm so confused. <laughs> Have you ever had that with your children? I'm so confused. Well, that, that's code for I don't want to obey. <laughs> that's code for, you know, uh-oh, I messed up. 
These people were saying, this is hard. Who can understand it? Now, did Jesus try to go back and explain, okay, well, forgive me. I know this is kind of weird now, my blood, my, my body. And he, you know, no. What did he say? Then Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained or grumbled about this. Again, a sign of decline. It shows offense. He said to them, does this offend you? Here's the word. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? You know, Jesus may say or do something that makes it very uncomfortable at times. His words are still controversial today. Now look down in verse 66. This is actually chapter 6, verse 66. I was thinking, wow, 666, what a verse. Let's read this verse, 666. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Offenses result in us going to the back of the line. Let's be up front. Satan is going to put offenses, stones of stumbling in our path. God is wanting to encourage you today to step over it and keep on moving. Obey him in the next step. Keep on moving. What's another reason we get offended? Number two, unfulfilled expectations. Now, in John chapter 1, I was just baptizing some of our gateway pastors in the very spot where Jesus was baptized. On the Jordan side, actually, Pastor Tim and Juliet were baptized the same spot on the Israel side. But right in this place, we know historically this is the place. John says in chapter 1 that he saw Jesus coming and he said, this, is, this was John's word, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29 and following. And then John says, John the Baptist says, I saw the Spirit come from heaven and rest upon him. And I testify, this is the Son of God. Now, does it seem like John is pretty clear on who Jesus is? I mean, he, he's very clear. Well, not long after this, John is put in prison. And uh, we just visited that very place. Josephus lets us know clearly the prison where John was in Macarius, which is on the Jordan side. And he was there, you study the scriptures, he was there for about two years. Not long after the baptism of Jesus, things began to be very difficult for John. Many of his disciples, oh, it was God's plan. And John, who was greater than any person born of woman, Jesus said, John disciples uh, began to be Jesus's disciples. So I don't know what was going on in John's thinking, but he knew it was a time to decrease. And it says in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 17, the report about Jesus went out through all Judea and the surrounding region. And then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John said, calling two of his disciples to him, 
sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, this is a perplexing passage because John already said and knew Jesus was the one. But now John is having some doubts. In that very hour, Jesus cured many infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended, who does not stumble because of me. John must have had some doubt. I don't know if it's because Jesus didn't visit him in prison. I don't know what it was. Of course, Jesus goes on in this text and praises John. And we're all merciful because we know we're frail human beings. And John's a greater man than than, um, we could ever imagine. But for some reason, doubts came in. I don't know about you, but have you ever thought, hey, I, I, you know, I thought I would have more success in my life by now. Or I thought I would be married by now. Or I thought my children would be saved by now. Or I thought my parents would be more loving and affirming of me by now. I thought I would be more recognized as a leader in the church by now. Unfulfilled expectations. One of the leaders didn't visit me or one of the leader's wives didn't say anything to me last weekend. We had a dear couple years ago when I was an elder church and wonderful couple. And he was, uh, he was in line to be one of the next elders, but uh, he was passed over, not because of anything he did wrong, but just it just didn't seem to be the timing. But we, we thought maybe about another year he would be one of the elders. And uh, bless his heart, they, they got so offended they really had an expectation that their time was now, and uh, they just exploded on the leaders, bless their hearts, and they left the church because there was an unfulfilled expectation that their time of exaltation was soon. Listen, unfulfilled expectations are a plan of Satan to put a stumbling stone in your path. And what God is encouraging you today is step over it and keep on moving. Step over it and keep on moving. Number three, in chapter Mark, Mark 6, verses 1 through 6, number three, jealousy and familiarity. Jealousy and familiarity. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began teach, to teach in the synagogue. And men, many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Here it is. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. 
Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Do you see how offenses limit the power of God? Limit the power of God to come and for people to come to God. How does this happen? You're in a small group. Someone is vulnerable. They confess a sin. They confess a weakness. Or you've been aware of it. In time, you begin to see that person elevated and exalted. And people begin to praise this person. And you're thinking, oh, I know who you really are. I knew something in your past. And we begin to get very familiar. And begin to despise them. We begin to trip over something that Satan is building up in our mind. Or someone sings and plays an instrument, and you begin to think, man, I could, I could do better than that. This has happened to me before. I've been in a group. I may share an admonition. And people say, amen. Somebody comes after me. And they share an admonition. Everybody starts clapping. And then the pastor gets up and says, that's the word of the Lord. And talks about his word, but doesn't talk about my word. And you begin to think, well, I, mine was from God too. You know, that's, that's, I'm going to sit here and think. I'm going to just, I'm going to think about this stone right here. And I'm going to really just spend a few days at this. Or maybe weeks. Maybe months. We are most often offended by those of our own house, the family of God, because we become too familiar with each other. Let's celebrate the grace of God that's extended to us. And number four, we're proud when corrected. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? No, if it were to me, I'd have probably said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Well, let's talk. I'll try to make it right with them. What did Jesus say? Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Left them alone. To me, this is one of the saddest passages in the Bible. The creator of the universe says, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. Blindness in the Bible is pride. They are proud, and they are leading other people who are proud. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Hebrews 5, excuse me, 12, verses 5 and 6 says that we're all corrected from time to time. Don't despise the correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged if rebuked by him. 
Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. Now, how many of you like correction? I mean, how many of you wake up in your quiet time and say, Lord, would you scourge me today? I feel, Lord, I've been denied of a good correction lately. <laughs> would, you, would you scourge me good today? No, none of us pray that. None of us want that. But God says that he loves us. And there are things that happen in life sometimes that correct us, that lovingly adjust us. Sometimes man corrects us. Sometimes circumstances of life corrects us a little bit. Ultimately, we know God is good. He is love. We don't need to blame everything on God. A lot is just flat from the devil. But what does the devil do? He puts a stone in our path. God doesn't love you. Uh, this is all because you're no good. And we began to just camp out around that stone. Now, you know, as I was preparing this message... I also realize as a, as a leader, as a pastor, one of the most painful things in people's lives is abuse of authority. They've had someone in their past who has been abusive or, or, or corrected them wrongly. And I, I, brothers and sisters, I don't minimize that pain or that trauma. Because I realize that um, it's not right. But I also know that it's not God's will for you to spend your life by this rock. To spend your days being hindered from progress because of something Satan has placed in your path. God wants you to step over it, forgive, give it to God, and keep on going. I also know that it can be very painful sometimes when enemies rise up against us. I've had people rise up against me. Uh, we lived on the mission field a number of years, Bonnie and myself. And uh, you're trying to do the Lord's work. Sometimes the very people you're trying to help are the ones that raise up against you. And I remember one particular case. Someone was just really going off on me. And, and uh, they were very critical and very harsh, very angry. And everyone around me could tell this person was, was uh, really, you know, it, was, it wasn't right what they were saying, what they were doing. But what was most painful to me was that about half of what they were saying was true. I have found sometimes that when our enemies rise up against us, sometimes what's most painful is some of what they say is true. And we can be blinded through our own pride at correcting whatever little we might need to correct. We may consider them 90% wrong, but let's glean from the 10% that we can learn from that situation. Let's go low. Let's humble ourselves. 
You remember David when he was fleeing the city of Jerusalem? Absalom was coming after him, his own son. How painful, how grievous. He was leaving the city. And this guy comes out of nowhere and starts throwing dirt on him and cursing him. And one of David's mightiest men said, let me go over and lop off his head. And what did David say? No, God has told him to curse. Maybe God will see this humiliation I'm going through and have mercy upon me. Brothers and sisters, life has its corrections. Life has its rebukes. Let's don't blame everything on God. But devil is there with a stone of offense that God is wanting us to step over and keep on moving because we don't want to be blind leaders of the blind. So what's the cure for not stumbling over offenses? It's very simple. Recognize all offenses are lies. All offenses are lies. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. You know, it's easy to act like a believer, but sometimes hard to react like one. But even if we're wrong, we can forgive. Now, the Bible says we're dead in Christ. Now, the last time I checked, when I went to a funeral, I can't imagine going up to that dearly beloved body. And if I began to say all kind of manner of evil against them, I don't get much of a reaction from that dead one. They're gone. You know, how does this happen? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you walk in the back of the church and somebody's turning their shoulder and looking back to the back. Maybe it's some prominent person, somebody you're wanting to please. And they look like they're looking right at you. And you go, and they go, you ever had that happen? You go, they go. And you think, what happens? Satan begins to just start lying. Oh, it's because you didn't show up to the Tupperware party. <laughs> you didn't go to the prayer meeting last week. You know what? I bet Bob told Bill, told John, who told him of this argument I had with him two years ago. Has this ever happened to you? And all of a sudden, this huge story begins to mount in your mind, and you think, oh my goodness, everybody hates me. Everybody's against me. And it could be the person simply just didn't see you. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? I walk in to my beautiful wife, Bonnie. Bonnie, when is dinner going to be ready? She begins to hear. Did you hear what he just said? He said, why isn't dinner ready now? She says, it will be ready when it will be ready. All of a sudden, Satan comes to me. Did you hear what she just said? If you want dinner, fix it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> S 
Satan is constantly twisting our words and people hear different things. He is the liar and the father of lies. His mission is to deter you on the highway of life, to keep you from love and unity and progress and power. Had someone come up to me once and said, would you please pray for me? I said, yes, what, what for? They said, Satan has been lying to me. <laughs> okay. I can pray or I can just give you some good counsel. Quit listening to him. Step over it. Quit listening to his lies. Satan lies all the time. I pray none of you are offended at me because I brought this message. <laughs> Pastor Tim or Juliet didn't even know I was going to preach on this. I mean, they knew the general direction, but he didn't say, hey, Wayne, I got somebody. They're on the third row. The second one in. They are a big problem. Would you please preach on offenses? No. God loves us. He knows we are frail. But I want to raise your expectations higher. That God has given you the ability to not be crippled by a stone that is in your path. He has given you the ability to step over it and keep on going. Hallelujah. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Ask God if you've taken up an offense against anyone. You've been struggling with not wanting to obey or unfulfilled expectations. Jealousy in the family or being proud because of a correction. God is for you. He is not against you. His grace is available to you to receive others, to be a part of the family of God here at Embassy City. Can you just say to the Lord, Lord, I choose to forgive. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, with your grace, I choose to step over this rock and move forward. You know, we have people up front here. I also recognize that there may be something in your life that really seems to be like a boulder that you have no faith to get over this thing to climb over it it just seems so massive and I don't want to minimize whatever trauma or pain 
that you've experienced. I really don't, dear brother, dear sister. But we're the body of Christ. You have people here at Embassy City that love you. You have people here in front that can pray with you. But I just want to ask you as your head is down, if, 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 that, if you feel that way, if there's something that almost feels like a boulder and you really need the grace of God today to somehow to move that boulder, you just raise your hand, just slip it up and down. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for these dear ones here today. Lord, that you would move the boulder just like you moved the stone from Jesus' tomb. Lord, you can bring resurrection life where there seems to be only death. Father, I pray that for every person here, that you would blow upon them with the wind of the Holy Spirit and encourage them today, God. I want to encourage you to come. If you need prayer for anything, anything, these dear ones will pray with you.